You don't work yourself to heaven. It's by faith that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. But once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your faith should be seen by your deeds. Your faith should be demonstrated by the way you live. Your faith should be demonstrated. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's transformed me. I believe that he's changed me from inside out. I believe that God has done a work in my life. And the the faith that is demonstrated should be seen by the works that I do. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to, uh, uh, to James. We started last week a series on the book of James and, and uh, kind of going through this letter that James wrote. And I love the book of James. Now, there's a lot of scholars that don't, they don't like the book or the letter of James. And, uh, but I love the letter of James because it's, it's practical. It is a practical letter for you and I. It's a practical letter that you and I can apply to our lives today. It wasn't written just for the culture of that day and for the beliefs of that day and for the church of that day, but the the letter was written by James to you and I today as a part of the body of Christ. Of course, originally he was writing to the 12 tribes, the Jews that were scattered Uh, among the nations. They had been dispersed from Jerusalem. They had been scattered because of persecution. And so James, who mostly stayed probably in Jerusalem, he was kind of like the the leader of the church in Jerusalem and stayed in Jerusalem most of his time. In fact, we don't have passages or, or history where James traveled very much at all. And so he pretty much stayed confined to the church at Jerusalem. But there he felt impressed or really impressed to write a letter to all the churches that were scattered abroad among among the nations. And so as he writes this letter, he writes in practicality. He writes where we can apply it to our lives, and, and, and he writes concerning navigating through the culture and the beliefs of that day. The church is in its second decade of existence, as we shared last week. And the Jews were scattered abroad, so James writes to the churches, and I want you to get this, to give counsel or give guidance to help the Jewish Christians navigate cultures. Boy, if we ever need a time to navigate the culture we do today. We are in a different culture. We are in a different time today. And we need the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help us navigate through the culture that you and I are in. And the different norms. I've discovered something about life. Today is different. You know, I used to think, well, you know, everything is common. You know, everything is uh, the same. Like when I went to school, it's not the same. It is completely different. Children are not the same. Parents are not the same. Culture's not the same. I mean, it is a different world in which we live. And so we need God's wisdom and guidance to navigate through the norms or the different norms and the different beliefs that exist in our world today. Last week, we shared about suffering. 
how that suffering exists and is the natural course of life since the fall of mankind. But that suffering doesn't change the fact that God is good. God is good. Suffering exists, but as God's children, he can use the trials of life to develop us into complete and mature Christians. Now, I, I got tickled this weekend. And I'm going to use you, JC. I'm going to use you. JC is up on stage and she's leading worship or helping lead worship. And she's up on stage. And of course, you know, my heart just kind of swells because that's one of ours. And she's on stage uh, uh, singing and worshiping. And, you know, and I told Kim one time, I told Kim, I said, Watch JC. I said, Just watch her. Watch her hands. She got. She'll just throw that hand out every once in a while. She's praying. She's just worshiping. And I just love it. This just blesses me, you know. And I was watching her, and, and I turned my head, and I turned my head back around, and she's gone. I mean, she's gone. She's disappeared. I'm thinking, I looked up the came. I said, where's JC at? She looks over and says, I don't know. I don't know where she's at. So in the meantime, Tim, I turn my head and look back. JC's gone. She's disappeared. She comes off the stage. She gets in the crowd, and the next thing we hear is that she's wheeled out at 1230 at night in a wheelchair. She is literally passed out in the spirit. <laughs> it, 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 it was amazing. But the reason I say that is because JC has been a Christian since, how old were you when you got saved? Seven years old. Seven? Seven years old. And she came forth and she gave a testimony, God delivered her. And you're thinking, how in the world does that happen? She's been a Christian. How does God deliver her? You see, sometimes as Christians, we get bound because we live in a broken world. And we get broken. And when we get broken, sometimes we get hurt. And because of the hurtness of life, we become broken and we become bound and, and Satan tries to use those things to bind us up. But the amazing thing of God is God says, listen, oh, he may have, you may have suffered, you may have gone through a hard time in your life and the enemy meant to destroy you, but I want you to know that I've come not only to save you, but I've come to set you free from that which you was caused brokenness, what the enemy meant to cause brokenness in your life. And so I was just, wow. I'm rejoicing because she was a different person. I mean, in fact, she got up on Sunday morning and gave a word to the whole entire convention. And I'm thinking, yeah, you go, girl. You go, girl. You tell him, girl. I mean, that was amazing to me. God was working in her. And, and even though that last year or this, this year and last year was a tough year in her life, God was working in her. And you got to understand that God is working. And, and so uh, we're going to navigate. We're going to navigate. Suffering exists, but God is good. And so James starts off his letter with, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you fall into diverse trials. Now remember, and I want you to hear this. Remember, James is writing to this letter to help, the, to help navigate the Christian's Jews on practical things, uh, uh, on practical 
things as living as Christians in a world of different cultures and beliefs. So this morning, I want us to look at the subject that James writes about concerning faith. It's found in the second chapter of James, and that's where we'll be going, the second chapter of James, and we're going to be looking at this topic he calls faith. Do you remember the devastating fires of Yellowstone National Park that burned out of control in 1988? Hundreds of thousands of acres were blackened, and people across the U.S. and around the world mourned for the ruining of the beautiful national landmark we call Yellowstone. But scientists discovered that the fires of 1988 were the best thing that happened to Yellowstone. And you think, well, why? Why is that, was that so good? They discovered that one species of pine tree reproduces itself only when, there's a, when, a, when a fire's heat opens the pine cone spores, sending spores floating to the ground. Those adult trees, though they were killed by the fire, brought forth a flourishing new crop. A, 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 and this new food, this new food source allows the growth of larger herd of elk, bison, and moose. And what seemed like a terrible loss three decades ago, three decades ago, has now brought new life to Yellowstone National Park. And sometimes the fires of adversity burn fiercely in our lives. And it seems like as if God has abandoned us, left us to struggle all alone. We're frightened. We're devastated we're, uh, by the destruction that seems to be all around us and even affecting our own personal lives. But those fires can bring new, stronger dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God allows the struggles in our lives to bring us closer to him. we got to get it. And in the end, so that you and I can bear more or much fruit. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to multiply. God wants you to experience the best of him so others can experience the best of him through your life. God wants to use you mightily and powerfully. God wants the gifts of the Spirit to be manifested through you, whether it's the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom or whatever the, the gift God wants to use. God wants to do great things to you in a mighty way to a lost and dying and devastated world. And so God sometimes allows us to face the adversities of life, to grow, to do in us, to do in us what he wants to do so he can do through us what God wants to operate in our lives. In fact, Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for good. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works. God works. We find in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, where Kim read this morning, have faith 
in God. Have faith in God. Jesus tells us to have faith in God. And she read the rest of it. I won't read it, but have faith in God. And then the writer of Hebrews in 11 and 1, actually 11 and, yeah, in 11 and 1, gives us the definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, I haven't seen heaven. How many of you have seen heaven? Probably none of you. I've read about it. I've heard about it. I've preached about it. I've heard it preached about it. But I have never seen heaven yet. But my faith, I believe that God is preparing a place for you and I. I believe that with all my heart, that God is preparing a place for you and I. And he said, and if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again so that you can be with me. I will come again and receive you unto myself. I haven't seen that yet, but I believe with all my heart that God is preparing a special place just with your name on it. And that Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, my faith is certain of what I do not see. I'm certain of it. I'm going to die believing that Jesus Christ is preparing a place for me. I am. I believe it. I'm certain of what I do not see. So when James writes this letter, and he begins to talk about faith, he is not contradicting what Jesus, what Paul, or any of the, uh, other, any of the other apostles said. In this letter, he uses the word faith. Faith. Now, let's turn. James, the second chapter. Let's look at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Now, a lot of people read this and they think, well, somewhere along the way you're putting faith and works together. That you got to do something to be saved. Listen, you need to understand that salvation is something that God did for you. You don't do something to get saved. Salvation is something that God did for you through his son, Jesus Christ, when he died upon the cross and was buried and resurrected on the third day. You don't do anything to be saved except what? Believe. Believe and confess. If you will believe with your heart, and you will confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It is a matter of confession and believing. So you don't do anything to get saved as far as working. You know, it's not about how much money you give, how good you live, how good you might be, or how many deeds that you do. That has nothing to do with your salvation. 
So what does he mean when he says, can such faith save him? And then he gives us an example. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Now, I'm going to tell you, Friday night, we were at the convention, and it's late. It's past my bedtime. It is way past Abby's bedtime. Abby, 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 I call it, whatever. Really past Abby's bedtime. And Abby is laying on the chair beside me. She's laying there, and then all of a sudden, she took her uh, top, and she pulled her arms up in her top, and she pulled her arms like this, and then she cuddled up, and I mean, pulled her legs, and she was in a little ball. And she lay there, sound asleep freezing to death. <laughs> and I looked over her and I said, Amy, do you want me to hold you? She said, yes. And she crawled up in my lap and I reached around her and just hugged her because I knew that she was cold. She was freezing to death. And I put my hand right here on her leg and I was trying to warm her up. And, and I was just, you know, she was sitting there and I was trying to warm her up. And I want you to know, you know, it, 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 and what, what, and I use this as an illustration. Oh, Amy, Amy, I, 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 I know that you're cold, but I pray that you are warm and I, I pray that you are fed and, and, and I pray that you have a good night's rest tonight and do nothing and do nothing about her being cold. What kind of faith is that I didn't do nothing to help her faith without works is lifeless it's dead it's meaningless I, I could have said oh baby I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would warm up but that air conditioner was still blowing right on top of her I had to do something. And, and what I'm trying to share with you is that you don't work yourself to heaven. It's by faith that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. But once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your faith should be seen by your deeds. Your faith should be demonstrated by the way you live. Your faith should be demonstrated. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's transformed me. I believe that he's changed me from inside out. I believe that God has done a work in my life. And the, the faith that is demonstrated should be seen by the works that I do. Amen. And that's what James is writing about. In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. And then he says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless 
And then he gives you and I an example. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did, for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And so when James writes about faith here, he is telling us, he's trying to write to the church that, that, are, that are scattered abroad. And he said, listen, if you want to demonstrate your faith, if you're what faith, you, you want your faith to be seen, understand that you're saved by faith. Understand that you don't work for your salvation, but understand that your faith, your, your belief, your, 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 your conviction, and your relationship with Jesus Christ, it will, will work in such a way that your faith will be demonstrated by the works that you do. And one of those things is by your deeds. Faith is demonstrated in how the deeds that you do in this world. Notice what he says. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person, hear me, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. If I tell you that I'm a child of God, if I tell you that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, if I tell you that I am a born-again Christian and yet the deeds that I do in the world don't reflect my faith in God, there's something wrong. The deeds that I do in the world should reflect the love of God not only in me, but the love of God flowing through me. That's why when I see a person that's in need, person that's in need, my faith should operate in such a way, not that I'm trying to earn God's favor. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. I've already got God's favor. You've already got God's favor. You've got the favor of God on your life when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I want the world to know, and I want to navigate when, when there's conflict in the world, when there's, when there's this, this cultural war that's going on, I want to navigate my life in such a way. I want to live my life in such a way that, that, that my faith is demonstrated through the deeds that I do in the world. I guess I tickled, you know, we, we, during this convention and during all of the things that we've been through. There are people in this congregation, I know you don't believe this, but th that think differently than me. They just think differently. I can't help it that they're wrong, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But they think differently than me. But true faith in Jesus Christ is going to be demonstrated by how I respond and react to their difference. Do you know it's okay if you're different than me? Do you know it's okay if you think differently than me? Do you know it's okay if you don't agree with me and I don't agree with you? Do you know it's okay? But you see, I'm going to love you the same. 
I'm gonna treat you as a child of God, as my brother or my sister. We may not agree. In fact, we may butt heads on certain things, but you know what? When it comes to, to the deeds and to the way that I want you to know that I love you, though you disagree with me or I disagree with you, whatever way you wanna look at it. And that's what James was writing. He said, if you really want to know how to live this faith out, how to live this life of being a Christian out and the culture that you're living in and the beliefs that are in the world, he says, I want to tell you, you're going to demonstrate it through your faith. You're going to demonstrate it by how you react. You're going to demonstrate it by how you live. You're going to demonstrate your faith to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord and living in you by the love and the care that you show one another. Mm-hmm. Second of all, faith is not only demonstrated through our deeds, it's demonstrated through our conduct. And you go back to the first verse of chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, notice what he says. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And then he gives an example. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor, sh- poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts. Ooh. Now, doesn't that hit our culture today? Doesn't that hit where we're at today? That if you that if you dress well and you you have a lot of money and you have a lot of influence and you have a lot of clout, so to speak, and I begin to show you favoritism, I'm going to spend more time with you than I am that guy over there. Jesus, or James, right? He said, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Let me tell you. I grew up in a time where I was judgmental. I'm just going to be honest. Now, you may not have grown up during this time, but I grew up in this time where I was judgmental. And if you didn't look the part, then you weren't the part. I'm just being honest. If you didn't look the part, you weren't the part. You tell me that you're born again. You tell me that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you don't look like me. There's something wrong with your salvation. I'm being honest. Now, I'm not talking about look, look, but I'm talking about the way you, you dressed, the way you appeared, the way you were out in public. And I remember, I remember being in high school. I remember so vividly being in high school, and, 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 I, and I, I grew up in a very, very, uh, how do I put it? Uh, I won't say legalistic, but some of it was legalistic. Uh, I grew up in a very conservative, real, real conservative, okay? Okay, if you're a woman, if you're a woman, you make sure you had a long dress and you had long sleeves 
and, uh, and, and some of the older women didn't cut their hair. Thank God we got rid of that. Uh, thank God we're not there no more. We don't do that. But I, I grew up in that kind of uh, an era like that. And, and so, you know, when, when people didn't look the part because of the way I appeared or the way I thought they should appear, I became judgmental. And I'd get close to the people that were looked like me, but I kind of keep those at an arm's distance that weren't like me. And James right? he says, man, haven't you become judge? And isn't that evil? But we've done that in our country. We've done that in our nation. We've done that in our lives. And, and, and if we're not careful, and, and James was writing, he says, listen, you live out among the nations, Jews. You live out among the nations. Do you realize that you and I as Americans live out among the nations today? Do you know that America is a very diverse group? Do you know it's a very different group today than it was years ago, and it's becoming more and more diverse? And I thank God for diversity. I'm going to tell you, I want a church that is so full of diversity. I want a church that has all races, all colors, all ethics. You know, I, I, I want that because I want people to know that no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, no matter what race, nationality, or whatever, you are welcome to become a part of the family of God and you are welcome and you're going to be loved here and there's not going to be any kind of favoritism. I want to be a part of that kind of body of Christ. And so James is writing and he said, listen, you Jews, you have been dispersed among the nations. You're scattered and there's a lot of different cultures. There's a lot of different uh, groups out there. There's a lot of Gentiles that are being saved. They're repenting and being born again. And they don't know the law. They don't even abide by the law. As a matter of fact, we just passed that you don't have to abide by the law of Moses. And you certainly don't have to get circumcised. And if I was a Gentile back then, thank God, I'd say, thank God, thank God, thank God, I don't have to be circumcised at the age of 50. I'm going to tell you what, I would probably say, why, you go to church, you go to church, but I'm going to kind of stay on the outside because they got this rule there that I've got to be circumcised, I ain't having no part of that. Now you look at me like I'm crazy, but am I right, guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. So I just sent my wife to church. That's why they had a lot of women in the church and they didn't have a lot of men. Thank God that rule has been changed. And, and thank God that we don't believe that. And, and the early church didn't believe that. They did at the beginning, but they, they changed all that. And so James is writing, he says, listen, you're going out, you're being dispersed, you're being scattered among the nations, you're being scattered where there's different cultures, there's different beliefs. He says, I want to help you navigate through that culture and tell you, I want to tell you, I want to tell you in your conduct, you demonstrate your faith by your conduct, the way you love people. The way you react to people, the way you respond to people, you demonstrate your faith by your conduct out in the world that is much different from what you're used to. See, this is practical for today. When I go out into the world, I want them to see Jesus. I want them to know that there is a God that loves them and is no respecter of person, that he doesn't pay favoritism. He doesn't favor me because I'm a preacher. 
He doesn't favor me because my name is Dockery. He doesn't favor me for any reason more than he favors you. And I want to demonstrate that. And that's what James is writing as he's writing this. Your faith is demonstrated by your works. Faith without, the, without works is dead. As the life without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So he talks about the conduct, and you can go on and, and, and read and read on, and, and, and he says, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and, and, and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who slander the nets that are slandering that noble name of him to whom you belong? And he goes on. And he says, your conduct, you demonstrate your faith by your conduct, by your deeds and by your conduct. And last of all, you demonstrate your faith in your speech. Ooh. You demonstrate your faith in your speech. Look at what he says, going back to chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now he's talking about our speech. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. Then if you go to the third chapter, looking at verse 1, he says, Not many of you, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now get this. We all stumble in many ways. I have never met a perfect person yet. Have you? The only per perfect person I, I know is Jesus Christ. Other than that, I've never met a perfect person. And James writes, he said, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, oh, I love this. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now get this. I hit my thumb with a hammer. Ooh. There are some words that want to come out of my mouth. Oh, now, don't look at me like I'm crazy. You hit your thumb with a hammer and see if you don't want to say something. Amen. Thank you. There's one that agrees with me. Amen. I mean, I mean, you get shocked. You get shocked with electricity. And when it comes out of your mouth, it sounds different than what it does when it's flowing out there on the line. Now, that doesn't mean that gives you the freedom to use foul language. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I'm telling you, I've hit my thumb. I have been shocked. And when I, I went, mm-hmm, ow! I didn't say anything but that, but I screamed it or yelled it. But you know as well as I do. Now notice what he says. If anyone, he says, he says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. You got to get that. If you're able to control what you say, you're able to control what you do. If you're able to keep your tongue in check, you're able to keep your body under control. Now, he goes on and he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. Now get this. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the God's likeness. How is that so? How do I slander my brother? How do I slander my sister? How do I slander another human being that is made in the image of God just like me? I come here on Sunday morning, I worship, I praise the Lord, I sing out loud, I sing loud, I sing loud. The convention, we were sitting towards the back, I don't ever get to sit towards the back, but we sit towards the back, and I was singing, I was worshiping, the lady in front of me got up and left. She did. And Kim punched me, she says, you got to tone it down, buddy. Tone it down, Randy, tone it down, you're too loud. I can't help it. I just get excited. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, your faith is demonstrated in your deeds. It's demonstrated by the way you live your life. Your faith is demonstrated by your conduct. But it's also demonstrated by the way you respond and you to one another. And you talk to one another. And you talk in your daily conversations. And so 
we live in a world, listen, we live in a world that, that there's a lot of things that the world believes it's okay to say. And they, they don't think anything about it. They don't, they don't give any regard to what they say. But as a Christian, if you're going to navigate your life in the world, and you're going to live a life that, that, that betrays Jesus Christ and betrays the love of God, then there are some things that you probably shouldn't talk about or say or, or do in your conversation. A Christian should never, ever, ever, ever slander anyone else. Even if they did something wrong, you don't slander them. God's got your back. God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't need to, you don't need to defend yourself. You just need to walk off. You need to walk off, but you don't walk off and then slander someone else's testimony or someone else's story or someone else's life. And, and, and James is writing, he said, listen, your faith is demonstrated not only by the way what you do, not only the way by you conduct yourself, but it's also demonstrated in the way you speak. He gives an example. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And he's saying, no. These should not be taking place in your life. If you're going to navigate in the culture, in the world in which we live, he's trying to give us some practical instruction to help us navigate in a world that has different beliefs than we do and has different culture than we do. And he says, I want to give you some practical things. Your faith is demonstrated by the way you live, by the way you conduct yourself, and it's demonstrated by the way you speak. I want the world to know there's something different about me. Not for my sake, but for his sake. I, I shared this story with you, and, and, I, and this, is not, this is not to pat myself on the back, so don't ever think that. God, if there's any good in me, it's Jesus, and that's it, because Randy's not good. But I remember, I remember I was over at this man's house, and I had done some work for him at the marathon station and the VP station and, and, and everything, and I had done some work. And, and, um, and they had asked me, I, 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 in fact, if you go to the marathon station today, uh, I sit there, he, he asked me, he said, would you install the sound system? So I installed the sound system, and when I installed the sound system, I put it on the promise. If you go there today, it still plays the promise. He said, oh, I love that station. This guy's not a Christian. He said, I love that music. He said, we're going to leave it right there. And he told his employees, he said, don't you touch it. Don't you turn it. But before they opened up, he said, his wife came to me. And like I said, they believe in God, but they're not Christians. He said, I want you to pray over our business. Now, I've never tried to make him become a Christian. I've never tried to say you're going to hell if you don't get born again. But I am trying to live my life in such a way 
that he begins to inquire, that he begins to ask. And so not too long ago, he asked me, he called me, he said, Randy, I committed to something that I don't know how to do. And it's with my temple. They have a temple in uh, Jacksonville. He said, would you go help me? I said, yeah, I'll go help you. I thought, well, I don't know about this. But anyway, I said, yeah, I'll go help you. And so he, I went to the station. He picked me up in his car, and we drove down there. And as we're driving down there, he began to ask questions. And I had prayed. I had prayed before we, we left, before I left the house. I said, Lord, I'm asking you to give me an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity to share with him. You open the door and you give me an opportunity to share with him. And it was amazing. As we were driving down the road, it took about an hour to get there, he began to ask questions. And every question he asked was common ground that I began to share our faith. I began to share what we believed. And he never rejected any of it. He never despised it. He never, he never rejected it. I believe that God is going to give me another opportunity. Because not too long ago, I went to his house. He asked me to come to his house. He just bought this huge house at Ponte Vedra, right on the back of Sawgrass. He wanted me to do some work. And I was in the garage, and he looked at me, and he said, Randy, he said, you have a connection with God that I don't have. You have a connection with God that I don't have. And, and the Lord just spoke to me the other day and he says, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I believe this man may come to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Listen, it's not because I preached at him. And it won't, it'll, it'll only be because of Jesus. But you see, when I'm with him, I'm in a different culture. He's Indian. I'm in a different culture. I'm in a different belief in what he is. And James is writing, Randy, I want to help you navigate in the culture that where you're going to be at. I want to help you navigate in the world that you're going to be at when there's different beliefs and when there's different cultures and when there's different. I want to help you navigate. And I want you to know your faith will be demonstrated by the way, by the things that you do, by the way that you act, and by the way that you talk. And I want you to be aware of that. And so I feel like God is speaking today. Your faith in God will be demonstrated by the, your deeds, by your conduct, and by your speech. I remember John was telling me, telling us when he first came born again, and he accepted Jesus Christ, and he was working there at the meal. They were just waiting for John to mess up. They were. They were waiting for John to mess up. Oh, he won't last very long. He won't last very long. And, 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 he, and he would mash his finger or do something, and they would look at him and say, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Just go ahead. You know you want to say it. Go ahead and say it. And he wouldn't say anything. His faith 
was demonstrated by his speech. Now, if John were to stand up here today, he would say, I believe sincerely, I have made mistakes and I have fell short and sometimes I miss the mark. But I try to practice my faith in how I lived. And I would tell you today that I've made mistakes, that I feel short, and that I've missed the mark. But I can tell you I'm doing my best to practice my faith in how I live. Because that's how the world is going to be drawn to Jesus Christ. They're going to be drawn by your actions, by your deeds, by your speech, by the love that you have for people. I remember I was at a concert one time, and it was a Christian concert. And this guy came around. We was all standing outside. He came around, and he's preaching. I mean, he's preaching. Bless God, unless you be born again, you're going to hell. You're just going to hell. you got to be born again. I'm thinking, really? You got a multitude of people out here, and you're coming across as judgmental? You're coming, what he was saying was true, but it was the way he was saying it. And it was the, it, 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 it was the, uh, the platform that he had. God did not give him that platform to abuse the message. And I thought, you're doing more harm and you are good. You're, 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 you're driving people away instead of drawing them. If he'd have come and said, oh, I want you to know, Jesus Christ loved me so much that he made a difference in my life and he changed everything about me. And I just want to tell you what Christ did for me. And if he began to share his story, it would have drawn people to him. Not to him, but to the message. But instead of drawing, he was driving people away. And I even, I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm thinking, I don't want to listen to anything you got to say. Man, you're so harsh and bitter, and I don't, I don't even want to hear what you got to say. My faith needs to be demonstrated in how I act, what I say. And how I live. So I want to challenge you. I'm going to tell you. Jesus has made a change in my heart. In my life. And there's something different. Inside of me. Because of what Jesus did. And I love you. And I'm telling you. I'm becoming more in love with the world. And hear what I'm saying. I'm becoming more in love with the world. In that I want them to come. To know Jesus. They may be different, and they are different. They have different beliefs. They have different cultures. They have different way of doing things. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm becoming more in love with them in that I want to share the love of Jesus. Not I don't love what they're doing. That has nothing. I don't love what they're doing. I don't love the way they're acting. Or what they, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm becoming more in love in that I want them to know Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus can change me, and if Jesus can deliver me from judgmentalism and legalism and a hard heart, what can he do for them? What can he change them? Would you come, Derek? Praise team.
So I just want to challenge you today as we walk through the book of James. Can we examine our own personal life? And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, know this, that he loves you. That you don't have to work your way to heaven. You don't have to do a lot of good works. In fact, you don't have to do any good works to get saved. All you've got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him, confessing as your Lord and Savior. And you know what? Jesus comes in. And he begins to change the wretched heart, the broken heart, the heart that has been crushed, the life that has been beaten down. God begins to change and make you into a new creation where you can go out into the world and say, hey, they can look at you and say, go ahead and say it, go ahead and say it. And you can look at them and say, I don't want to say it. I might want to say, ow, I might want to yell. But I don't want to say what I used to say because there's a man inside of me that's changed me for eternity. Would you stand? So I'd like for this to be a time of self-examination. What is God speaking to you today? Maybe there's something, I, I tell you, there may be something in your life that you're struggling with. I'm going to tell you, I used to have a temper. I know you don't believe that, but I used to have a temper. I used to have a temper. Don't set the temper off. But you know something? I'm not perfect yet, but God has helped me. God is changing me on the inside. I don't respond like I used to respond. And it's because of Jesus not perfect yet God's still working but I'm thankful that today I'm not who I was 20 years ago and God is wanting to do that in your life change you from the inside out so that you become the man or woman of God that he wants you to be so you can navigate in your culture in your world and the light of Jesus can shine through you in a powerful way. So let's examine. They dim the lights. Let's just examine our lives for a moment as they lead us in worship. This altar's open. If you'd like to come for prayer, I'd love to pray with you this morning. You don't have to confess to me, but just talk to the Lord about it. God will deliver you. God will empower you. God will enable you to live a life that he wants you to live. Would you lead us? Thank you, Jesus. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. Brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear 
what Jesus is doing in you.